And what's up? Welcome in GC Live Monday episode of the show. South Carolina Gamecocks coming off of a victory over Furman. Plenty to get to as far as that is concerned and plenty to get to with our special guest. South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler will be joining us at about 2.15. If you're listening on the podcast, that'll be in theory in about 13 minutes. So looking forward to hearing from Spencer. We've done several of these with Spencer be it on the radio, be it pre-recorded. I think this might be the first time he's been on GC Live, actually live. So looking forward to hearing from him. Obviously a great start to the season for Rattler. If you have questions for Spencer, put them in the chat. We're going to pick one or two, if y'all have good ones, um, to ask the SEC Offensive Player of the Week, as was announced a couple of hours ago. This show, as as always, brought to you by our buddy Clint Hammond. Of Movement Mortgage, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. Appreciate Clint and his support, as always, of both Gamecock Central and GC Live. We got several awesome sponsors we're going to tell you about throughout the show. And, of course, Chris, uh, we got to mention Garnet Trust, too. Go to uh, GarnetTrust.com. Follow on Twitter, at Trust. As always, Spencer Rattler's appearances are brought to you by Garnet Trust. Uh, I saw lots of Garnet Trust in the stadium <laughs> on Saturday for the first time as uh, part of that deal with USC Athletics. So, uh, obviously, if you are looking for a way to directly support South Carolina student athletes, go check out GarnetTrust.com. They've got many, many options for you. Appreciate them making this appearance for Spencer possible. Chris, we'll dive into the game first. Then, obviously, We'll talk to Spencer, and then I guess we'll give some closing thoughts on the game after that. But I'll start with you, man. Big picture thoughts uh, there being in the stadium and then re-watching South Carolina's what ultimately ended up being a blowout win over Furman. First off, oh man, let's start here. Kudos to Gamecock fans because that was a great atmosphere. You know, sometimes a game announced as a sellout and you go – Eh, when you actually get into the stadium or if you're watching a game on television that is supposedly sold out, this one was pretty packed, man. Really good showing from the student section, which we knew that had set a record for claim tickets. Um, and then it's, this game was a sellout. USC did a really good job of promoting it, and uh, it, it showed in the stands. So really good atmosphere for a game that, um, all due respect to Furman, of course, is not – one of the you know marquee home matchups it's not a sec night game which by the way wes mississippi state 7 30 kickoff in a couple weeks that was just announced as well so they will have an sec night game at least one uh in williams bryce stadium this year uh but yeah that that's the starting point really good crowd and you know there's a lot to dissect in this game we got to see a lot of young guys we got to see some standout performances but let's not gloss over the fact that the Gamecocks did get a win here. Uh, Shane Beamer, Dow Loggins, Clayton White, Pete Limbo, and the players, you know, in their public comments last week, all had indicated that, hey, yes, this is an FCS team, but it's one of the better FCS teams in the country. I think they came in in the top 10. I think they're ranked number six. Um, and, they're, and they're a good ball club. It, it's a game that I said this going in, South Carolina should win. Um, and certainly they did. And I think, that was the big takeaway, Wes, where, where there's some early kind of groany moments in the stadium um, with some of the, you know, having to punt a couple times and giving up the uh, the long double pass and giving up a touchdown drive after that. Sure. Uh, but ultimately, 
and and I think we'll ask Spencer about this when he comes on, getting that extra score, kind of stealing a score before the half was big. And ultimately, this is one that I think that really, really put things uh, kind of out of reach for Furman, even going into halftime. This is a game that South Carolina could have you know, easily been tied or just up six going into halftime. They got that extra score, which was huge, I think. And then they really came out and looked like a different team where they were able to pull starters and get deep into the bench into this game, which I think was a positive, Wes. And honestly, gave us a lot of content talking about some freshmen and some new guys. Yeah, I mean, everybody knows we cover recruiting. Um, we love following roster management and looking ahead. This is um, These games are fun for me personally, man. I, I like kind of getting a look at the guys at the college level for the first time in a lot of cases, certainly the first time at the college level against a real opponent. So it was a great opportunity for that. And we'll get into all that as the show goes on. Along those same lines, man, I think that does a ton for team morale. And, you know, I want to ask Spencer about that. Like you said, I want to ask him about the end-of-half situation. Not only was the end-of-half situation key for this game, but I, I do think that's something you maybe lean on moving forward. That was great experience for, you know, in this case, the first-team offense. Like, we talk about this game being great experience for some of the backups in the second half. But they actually got two late, like, end-of-half, end-of-game, real-life, offensive situations you thought they were just going to have the one but then they score defense forces a three and out offense actually as opposed to just going into the half they decide to take a shot and they end up they ended up with like basically kind of a a two minute three minute type situation to work through then they ended up with a like a 25 second situation to get to work through as well which I think those are things you can lean on. Those are things you can practice it all you want. Beamer talked about in the post game, you know, situational football. They practice that stuff all the time. They practice it actually ones versus ones, good on good, you call it. But there really is no true comparison to actually going out there and doing it with fans in the stands, dealing with all the variables that are going to pop up in that situation. You're not in a controlled environment. And, you know, I, I just thought that it was a really good opportunity for the first-team offense. And then they got to feel good about just executing it very well in both times. Well, I'll tell you what was helpful, Wes. You had, uh, you had 17 out there that you could throw the ball to. And uh, we'll definitely ask Spencer about that. But just to give my take on it, uh, that's pretty helpful, right? When you've got a guy – of his physical ability, playing like he is, you know, in game one, you saw it, right? I mean, if you're Spencer Rattler, you've seen this guy. You know what he can do in practice. You've seen uh, the glimpses in the games. You see what he did game one against North Carolina, surpassing last year's yardage total for every single game, all 13. You know, you've already surpassed that in one game. I think that that chemistry, that bond, that trust level between those two is only growing, and I think the Furman game will only serve to continue growing that, right? But Xavier Leggett's transitioned into a big-time player and a guy that, you know, for Spencer Rattler, he can be confident in throwing the football up that Xavier Leggett's going to have a great chance to go ahead and, and make that play. Um, you know, you look at the the downfield ball that he threw, you look at, you know, throwing it up again, getting the pass interference call, getting yourself in range. Um, this offense is playing, I think, with some confidence and, 
you like what you've seen from the receivers. Uh, you like what you've seen, obviously, from number seven and Spencer Rattler. There are obviously some other things to clean up. The offensive line, you know, I thought they cleaned up to a degree against Furman. Some of that had to do with the opponent level, and you're going to ratchet that up ten times against Georgia, obviously. Uh, but I, I think that this was a game that, you know, probably helped you build a little bit that confidence, helped you, you know, figure out some things, helped Dowell Loggins figure out some things and the rest of this team. But no doubt those scores kind of with the shortened clock um, with some with some urgency definitely, definitely helped. And I think, like I said earlier, man, it, it gave South Carolina a little bit more of a cushion going into the half when they came out second half. It really looked like a different team because not only were they able to open it up offensively, but defensively. Um, were there some things to clean up? Sure. But defensively, the team, you know, of course, played a lot better as well. Yeah, they did. You know, man, I, I thought early on they kind of got caught, obviously, with a very similar, if not the same play to ECU a couple of years ago. And, I mean, credit where it's due, I feel like a great timely call by Furman. Your home game sold out. Defense is maybe a little bit antsy, a little bit jazzed up. And then they hit you with a play that is absolutely built to get you being a little too over-aggressive. And they executed it, credit credit where it's due. That set them up. South Carolina even made them work after they got the first down down there near the goal line. Took four downs for them to punch it in. Credit to them. I thought they kind of threw the kitchen sink at South Carolina early on. Uh, you know, they were downfield. They were uh, running double reverses. They were faking reverses. I mean, they they really had a good plan for South Carolina, but it felt like once the defense settled in and the offense was really able to answer for them. So, yeah, defense gives up an early score. Offense answers for you. Defense, you know, it goes down – South Carolina goes down 14-7. Offense answers again. And that really allowed them to just settle in and play their game, I, I thought. And, you know, Furman got the ball out quick, but there was still some pressure on their quarterback. We called him gritty going in. I mean, I, I thought he lived up to that. Like, this dude was taking some shots. And not the biggest guy in the world, probably a little fibbing on his size, I think, as far as what he's listed at. Yeah. Getting just smashed by Stone Blanton, um, you know, getting chased down by Brian Thomas Jr. This guy kept going, kept firing in there. So, that that's a good Furman football team. Even when Carolina was down – I felt like you sort of, Chris, even down 14 to seven, I didn't feel like South Carolina was like in danger of losing the game. Like it really felt like they were going to take control at some point. But I say that not taking anything away from Furman. Like I think at, in their conference, like they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. They usually are, but you could definitely tell that team is, um, I think going to make a run and was probably a good balance of being a good test for South Carolina in terms of their well-coached veteran bunch while also being a team that obviously South Carolina had the talent advantage against. Yeah, they just they're so well coached. They just don't make a lot of mistakes, you know, and I think that showed through even in their play calling defensively, offensively. They ran that little tunnel screen, West that uh, I asked TJ Sanders on the Garnet Trust Hour a few minutes ago about it and he just started rolling his eyes he was frustrated with it they're doing a lot of cut blocking right like they did some things that frustrated South Carolina but to the defense's credit they hung in there 
they played a lot better the second half. One of the plays was, I mean, it's, it, they count just like the other ones, Wes, but one of the plays was, you know, the long, um, the long uh, double pass or, you know, to the running back, running back to the receiver. And then they had their other score came late when the game was, you know, not in the balance at all and came after a South Carolina turnover. So you, you held them to one drive, which was, which was pretty good, I think, Wes. Uh, hey, before we bring in Spencer Rattler and take just a minute to tell you about a new partner we have here on the show, it is our buddy Trey Harrell, auto accident attorney right here in South Carolina. Wes, we ran into Trey and his daughter up in Charlotte for the season opener. Great guy. Also a very helpful guy because Trey Harrell helps folks injured in auto accidents all over Gamecock country and all over South Carolina. You can find him at attorneyharrell.com or on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Trey Helps. If you've unfortunately been injured in an auto accident in the Palmetto State, don't go at it alone. Find you an attorney who's going to fight for you and he's going to fight to get you what you deserve. Find you an attorney who helps. And remember that Trey helps. That's Trey Helps on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, or attorneyharrell.com. Appreciate attorney Trey Harrell helping us to bring you GC Live. All right, uh, I see him down there. Let's go ahead. Uh, or Actually, I don't see him right now. Spencer, uh, give me a thumbs up when you're ready for us to bring you live, man. Uh, let's see. I think he's getting settled in. Let's go ahead. We'll try to bring him in. Spencer, what's up, man? How you doing? What's going on, guys? Oh, not much, man. So, yeah, we are we are just heads up. We're already live. We're rolling. Gamecock Nation tuning in, man. Obviously, we appreciate you doing this. Um, SEC Offensive Player of the Week this week. So, I, I guess just in general, man, obviously we've all seen it, but how have you felt like you've sort of settled in and uh, how's the season going for you so far, just in your words? Yeah, man, it's been super fun, you know, actually getting to go against somebody else the first two weeks. Uh, I know we didn't have the outcome uh, we wanted our first week, but I, I think we showed flashes and, and you know, knew what we were good at, knew what we had to clean up. And I feel like going into week two, you know, we really wanted to clean everything up, um, you know, especially before this week. Um, so we use that kind of as a tune-up game and try to get things right. And, you know, we were clicking on all cylinders. It was a fun game. Spencer, I um, actually talked to TJ Sanders from the defense earlier today who had some uh, really good things to say about you, by the way, just to let you know. And uh, he said that um, he called them first-game shenanigans, right? So we were talking a little bit about the, the defense and what they had to clean up. You mentioned cleaning up things offensively. But how much of the first-game stuff that we saw do you attribute to maybe – I don't know if you'll use TJ's terminology with first-game shenanigans, but – um, how much do you attribute that to just being game one? And then how much do you feel like y'all did clean up in game two against Furman? You know, I think TJ's right. You know, the first game shenanigans, whatever he said, I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, you see it across the country and, you know, a lot of first games, there's a lot of mistakes, um, a lot of, you know, Emmys and stuff we can clean up. I mean, even yesterday with the NFL, so much, um, you know, bad ball, I guess you could say for week one, but that's just part of it. Um, you know, we uh, as an offense, I think we did good with protecting the ball. I mean, we had no turnovers, so that that's a positive. Um, I think we had more explosive plays than than North Carolina week one, and no turnover, less turnovers. So, I mean, it's crazy how we lost the game, but we had chances to win it, and um, you know, we we didn't play good enough. But first game shenanigans, I guess, I guess is a good good quote for it. But we definitely cleaned up week two. Spencer, you and Dal Loggins have kind of talked all off season about the kind of partnership. You guys have 
Um, I feel like, though, whenever there's a new coach, new coordinator, there's always that positive talk, but it's another thing to be able to take it into the games kind of as smoothly as y'all have so far with it being a new offense, new offensive coordinator, new play caller. What is it about the two of you and how y'all have kind of been able to be in sync already that has just let it kind of hit so smoothly against real opponents right off the bat? Mm -hmm. You know, I think he just, first off, he's a great coach, you know, communicates really well, uh, knows our player strengths. I know I told you guys that before. And, you know, I like how he he gets the ball in my hand and and lets me kind of do my thing. And that's awesome. It's fun for me. And, uh, you know, also with, with all our other, we have so many weapons. So, I mean, you know, his job, his job ain't that hard with all these guys we got. But, uh, yeah, he's a great coach, great leader, uh, great man. And, you know, just we, we, we worked it in the spring, we worked it in the summer, and, you know, we found what we're good at. And, you know, we just got to keep building on that. Yeah, you gave me a great natural segue to talk about one of those playmakers. Um, Xavier Leggett, man, he has been lights out in the first two games. And, and I think anybody who's seen Xavier play – seen those glimpses in games, seen in practice, heard things behind the scenes about his, his athleticism, knows right, like that he's capable of doing these things. It's not a huge surprise, but he's put it together two weeks straight. He's put it together, you know, two weeks straight in a big way too. So give us your take on how Xavier's performed and just your confidence level in him. It, it seems like you feel like you can just throw it up to him and he's he's coming down with it. Yeah, I mean, he, he got so much better. Um in the off season, I mean, he had a, a great ending to the year, you know, in the Notre Dame game, he made a lot of plays. Um, so he, he, he built his confidence, you know, later in the year last year. Um, but, you know, this off, off season, I don't think I, I've seen anybody work as hard as him. And, you know, he, he put the time in, he put the work in and, you know, it, it, it's coming to fruition right now. He, he's doing his thing. And, you know, I trust him, not just him, but a lot of other guys. Um, but yeah, man, he's, he's been our top playmaker and, you know, I expect nothing, nothing less from him. It seemed like, Spencer, y'all, part of the game plan early on especially was to get the ball out there quick on the perimeters to to guys like Leggett, A.B., Juice. Then, uh, obviously, uh, I thought Eddie Lewis had a good game on Saturday as well. Um, How nice is it to just kind of sit back there as a quarterback and know you're not going to have to kind of force feed the ball to one guy? You can kind of take what the defense gives and just kind of spread the ball around and let those guys go uh, do what they do. Yeah, you know, uh, early on, you know, we want to get the ball out, move, get get it on the perimeter. Uh, we could do a lot of different things, but, you know, a lot of those were RPOs and, and some screens and stuff like that. But with, with the playmakers we got on the perimeter, I mean, you can dish it out there and, you know, there's nothing better than throwing short and going long or getting 10, 12 yards of pop on those. Um, and, you know, we're still improving on on those type of plays. But, yeah, I mean, it just gives a whole nother, um, you know, weapon to the offense when you can just spit it out there and those guys can go make plays. Spence, you also had uh, a couple little uh, social media viral moments after the game, too, that, that you were featured on. So in the in the uh, locker room after the game, Coach Beamer gave you a game ball, uh, fun, funny video there that Gamecock Football put out on their social media channels. But did you did you know your stats after the game? Like you looked like you might have been a little surprised even. Did, did you know? Um, yeah, I knew him. Um, you know, I, I think my boy, uh, Tanner at halftime, Tanner Bailey was like, man, not to like blow your head up right now or get anything off track, but you're like 23, 25, 270. Um, I was like, okay, well, let's keep going. Let's keep, keep going. And I wanted to keep that as clean as I could. And, you know, shout out to the O line. They played their butts off, you know, kept me clean all night. I don't think I got sacked all night, which is good. Um, guys made plays, like you said, Eddie Lewis, Leggett, 
Um, I mean, everybody was making plays, so um, that's awesome. And then, you know, it was a cool moment, get a game ball. I mean, it's always special. Yeah, man. So, um, obviously, the atmosphere, too, on Saturday, uh, to, to be a home opener but against an FCS opponent. I know Furman, they came in with a good team, man. No offense to them. But just being an FCS opponent, some stadiums, you maybe don't get the packed house. You don't get quite the atmosphere y'all had on Saturday. Uh, what did you think just playing – in front of those fans again this week. I know you've seen it before, but I, I thought it was an incredible atmosphere from this fan base considering pretty much everything I just said. I mean, it, it was awesome. It's always awesome to step in that field. I feel like every game sold out. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the vibes, the, the um, energy the fans bring help us so much. And, um, you know, also what, you know, Chance Miller and, and Justin King and those guys did with the, you know, walk out in our locker room with the light show and all that, that stuff was awesome. Um, got the, got the crowd pumped up, got us pumped up. So um, the vibes are always high in Willie B, and uh, I'm happy we could get a W, you know, first one in there this season. All right, Spencer. So we're, we're, we're not trying to put you on the spot too much, but a lot of Gamecock fans have been weighing in on the new cocky entrance, right? So I don't know how much you got to see of that while you were kind of in the zone uh, right before the game or if you went back and watched it later, but do you have a review or a strong opinion on the new cocky entrance? Um, I, I think I saw Coach Beamer, you know, showed us a little bit of it. I think it was Thursday or Friday of what it's going to be. Okay. Uh, what did he roll in on a cockaboose? Yeah, he had a little cockaboose. Yeah. He had the, he had the, you know, the train and then the, the, the car on the back of it came out, ran around a little bit. So you know, I, cool. I think it's cool. You know, I think it's yeah. something the fans like. And, you know, um, you know, we don't pay too much attention to that, you know, on the field for the game. But, you know, I think it's something fun and, and, and definitely something, you know, good idea, you know. So, uh, you know, I feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, you, you're a little bit unique for sure. Uh, yep. So uh, so on the field, Spencer, end of half situation. Uh, I got to think as much as y'all work on situational football and practice, it was nice to have actually two opportunities and convert on them both at the end of the first half. Um how good was that just to get that experience in a game against an opponent and to see your, your team and yourself execute and maybe being something y'all can lean on? Because obviously you're going to have end of half, end of game scenarios uh, probably multiple times going forward this season. Yeah, you know, uh, like you said, it's something we work every day. Uh, every week we, we work two minutes and I feel like we, you know, do a great job in practice, you know, um, you know, finishing those drives and, and getting to our goal of either a field goal you know, to win it or tie it or get up before half or, um, you know, a touchdown to go up before half. We always want a touchdown. So for us to go down, I think we had 27 seconds, go about 80 yards. I mean, it's pr pretty impressive um, from our group. You know, you know, shout out to Coach Beamer for trusting us and using those timeouts in a great way. And then obviously with Dow calling those plays to get us down there and making two big time plays. And, and congrats to Omega on this, you know, first first touchdown catch in Willie B. It was awesome. Yeah, a lot of lot of newness in the game with some guys that were able to see either their first career action or their first extended action. So I know you got to, you know, sit and kind of chill, uh, Spencer, at the end of this game, second half. You got to kind of put the hat on and just hang out and watch some ball. And so that that was the other viral moment, actually, I was going to mention. So Lenora Sellers came in uh, through his first couple touchdown passes, and uh, I know you were you were showing him some love on the sideline after the first one. So Give us your – this has actually been a pretty common question from several of our subscribers at Gamecock Central and listeners and viewers. They want to know what how you rated that throw by Lenoris and what you were thinking during it. 
Oh, it was a 10 out of 10. I mean, it was a bomb. 60-65 yard throw. Um, we know, you know, he's got a big arm, um, confident player. So, and that was actually like his third progression. Um, you know, he worked left to right, had some time and, and put it down there to Tyshawn uh, uh, to go make a play. And, uh, you know, two young guys made a good play. That was a great throw. Um, I, I was hyped for him. So I, I got to imagine it had to be a pretty special moment for you and Luke Doty earlier in the game that you were able to connect with Luke. You are both obviously in the quarterback room, man. Everybody know how everybody knows how Luke, uh, you know, attacks things and works his tail off and doing all these different things on the team. So how happy, first of all, were you for Luke? And, and what was that moment like? I saw you like sprinting down the field to meet him after you threw it. Uh, what, and also, what were you thinking when you saw him? Because it looked like he he like broke wide open. Perfect throw, perfect catch. Uh, had to just be a really cool moment for both of you guys. It was a great moment. You know, he he puts in the work every single day. He's a great leader on this team, and he he's all about the team. Um, I mean, whatever whatever he can do to help us, he'll do. So uh, credit to him. He, he works so hard, does everything right. Um, you know, you can trust him on the field. I feel like we we think the same way. Um, so if he sees something at receiver. You know, I'm probably seeing the same thing. So it, it it works well with each other, you know, when he's out there and he ran a good route. Uh, I think the DB pushed his teammate down. Um, so, I mean, it made it easy for us just to kind of put it up there, you know, had a lot of time and he broke wide open. It felt like the ball was in there for 10 seconds. I mean, he was waiting for it, waiting for it, got in the end zone. It was a, it was a special moment. I'm happy for him. It, it was a it was a hand catch too, man. No, no cradling the thing. Like he went up, he reached out there, plugged it. That's right. He, he natural, can get the ball. Yeah. Nat, natural receiver. He's look, he's looked really good. Um, all right. So we may have some more firming questions, Wes. I'm going to push us forward a little bit to talk about uh, what's coming up with the game against Georgia. Um, how do you feel going into this one, man? I know you're going to be asked this later this week. Um, you guys have a day off now. Um, Tuesday, thir- Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday practices, you know, Friday walk through, go down to Athens. Um, how are you feeling going into this game? And uh, what what do you feel like kind of maybe a couple little early keys that you're really honing in on without giving away, obviously, anything on the game plan for this week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I feel good. Uh, the group feels good. You know, it's good to get a win under our belt. Um, obviously, still got some stuff to clean up. You know, I have a scheme for, for this group we got um, on Saturday. Um, you know, it's a great team, great defense. Um, so we're going to have to be, you know, playing very clean football, execute on a high level. But, you know, our focus is just on us right now. You know, we got to focus on us and, and and do what we do best. Have Spencer, have you been to Athens before? I was trying to think. I don't think you would have played there before. Mm-mm, I've never been there. I, I guess, I mean, there's got to be, like you said, a, an asset of just, hey, it's just another game. But at the same time, um, any extra excitement for playing in some of these SEC atmospheres and, and going in there and, and trying to, to execute at one of the, you know, really cool venues, I think. Of course. I mean, you know, getting getting to play a back-to-back national champion, um, you know, go out there and, and just give it your all. I mean, that's that's all we can do, go out there, play clean, execute at a high level, and uh, play our best ball and, and see where it falls from there. I do want to go back a little bit, Spencer, but this is a question that, you know, we'll, we'll probably see more of these guys as the season goes on. But you mentioned the offensive line earlier. Craig Godwin in the chat asked about Tree Babalade and Tro Ball. And so those guys got their first extended action as freshmen. First of all, man, th- those guys do not look like freshmen, um, especially on the offensive line. But you, you shouted out the O-line for their imp- their improved performance this week. But what do you, what'd you think of Tro and Tree 
you know, during the game and then kind of looking back at the film from this week. Yeah, those are two grown men, like you said. Those are, they don't look like freshmen. I mean, both of them, about 320, 330, you know, smart players. Um, I mean, just motivated. You know, they they want to do good. They want to they be good for our team. And, you know, you'll see a lot more of them, you know, this Saturday and the rest of the year. All right, Chris, I, I know we got to let Spencer get out of here shortly. I think I'm about out. I, I guess my, my last one here, man. Um, what do you think it does for team morale, Spencer, that – uh, the backups got to play. Then you look out there, fourth quarter, you know, some walk-on guys, some guys that just probably work just as hard as everybody else but don't always get to play. They get to go out there in front of their friends and family, maybe make a lifetime moment as well, lifetime memory. Uh, what do you think it does going into practice this Tuesday, knowing that just so many guys kind of got to have some of their hard work pay off and, and get to play in Willie B? You know, that, that's one of, you know, our favorite parts of the game, you know, seeing seeing those young guys go in, seeing guys that don't get as much time. But like you said, work, work just as hard, if not harder than all of us. I mean, you know, it's tough to be a walk on. It's tough to be a guy that's a fourth fifth string guy. Um, I mean, they work their butts off and, and every single week. So it, it's awesome to see guys like, you know, Ben Rollins. You know, I know Peyton Mangrum's on scholarship, but him make a play in the game. Um, you know, a, a lot of guys going out there uh, playing. So. You know, it, it's awesome, and uh, hopefully we can do that more this year. Yeah, heck of a catch by Ben Rollins on that play, actually. All right, Spence, before we let you get out of here, as we told everyone, you are here because of your agreement with Garnet Trust, guys at GarnetTrust.com. So just wanted to give you an opportunity to – I know we got some Garnet Trust supporters here in the live chat, so just wanted to give you an opportunity to to shout out those folks, too, over at Garnet Trust and all their supporters. Yeah, uh, you know, big shout out to Garnet Trust. I mean, like like they said, it's a big reason on why I'm back. A lot of guys are back, and you know, um, you guys help our team so much, help our help our um, school so much. I mean, it's it doesn't go unnoticed. You know, the work we put in, you guys see it, and you and you guys show love and take care of us, and it's awesome. Um, you know, we 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 always are appreciative, and let's keep this thing rolling, man. Spencer, as always, man, we appreciate the time. Um... What a, I know Monday's like the day off, but I imagine there's not really any full days off. What a, what do you have next for the day? It's 2.30 in the afternoon. What Do you get a little bit of time to unplug, or is it right back into Georgia? Um, You know, I got my massage this morning. Um, so <laughs> knocked that out, went to the facility, got some lunch, talked talk with Dow a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty much done for the day. I'm going to rest the body and get ready for tomorrow. Awesome, man. Well, hey, we all look forward to uh, watching this Saturday in Athens. I know Gamecock fans out here appreciate you, man. We appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Spencer. Right, Gamecock quarterback Spencer Rattler joining us. Uh, appreciate him, as always, hopping on. Brought to you by Garnet Trust. I'm I'm trying to get me and Chris both up here. There, I don't know. there we go. You're good. Act like it's my first time on air or something. But uh, <laughs> appreciate Spencer. Apparently the the light has gone out here as well. So, um, Chris, you look very dramatic right now. Like, you know what I mean? Well, I was trying to just use the the natural light because it looks way better than actual light. But when the sun goes behind a cloud, this is this is what you get. But anyway, uh, Michael weighing in on the chat saying, "Superstar." That I mean, if you want to sum up Spencer's performance so far, that. It's probably the best way to do it, Chris. I mean, he has carried himself on the field and off the field like the five-star, like the number one quarterback in the country, like, you know, 
What like what more could you ask? Like I, I'm sitting here saying, what more could we say about the way Spencer has played? But what more could you ask if you are this staff? Nothing. I mean, really nothing. And, you know, Dowell Loggins and Shane Beamer, especially Loggins, man, he really got kind of into the weeds, so to speak, on just why he's so confident because of number seven. Um, All the things that uh, he's felt like he could put on him from a schematic standpoint, everything from, hey, there's not a throw that Spencer can't make. or There's not a situation where you say, I don't know if he can escape this or make a, make an off schedule or play or an off platform throw. Like he can do all those things, but then he can administer your offense. And you can tell, I mean, he's, he's looked like the player that we saw at the end of last season, just in terms of his confidence level. And and the biggest thing Wes, I think is taking care of the football, right? Just extremely efficient, throwing the football, extremely confident. And then he's been able to hit some shot plays and some explosive plays too. And Wes, I mean, you go back to game one, everybody was disappointed. Fans, staff, players, everyone disappointed in that loss in the week one performance. But the reason that South Carolina was able to stay in that game despite playing so poorly in many areas was because of number seven. And really, I think you contextualize it. You know, it it was pretty remarkable what he was able to do given those circumstances. And talking with TJ Sanders about this earlier, man, on the Garnet Trust Hour on 107.5 The Game. If South Carolina had won game one, A, this team would have probably a lot more hype right now, and B, you would see Spencer Rattler have a lot more hype attached to his name. But in kind of the Columbia bubble right now, Wes, people know. People are seeing the difference, people are recognizing. And so we'll see where that goes. A big opportunity this weekend, obviously, against Georgia. I think we'll see more. Uh, well-deserved. I, I don't like using the word hype. Sometimes it makes it seem undeserved. More buzz nationally around Spencer Rattler if he can turn in another quality performance, win, win or lose, uh, against Georgia this weekend. Well, and I think, you know, Dow Loggins, if there's one thing that I've started to notice about him, Chris, and, you know, every coordinator, I feel like after you watch him play or watch him coach, I should say, watch their offense on the field, you start to get a little feel – for what their personality is as a play caller. And I get the impression that Loggins is not a guy who is going to be too patient. And I mean this in a good way. What I mean by this, he's not going to be too patient in just forcing something that is not there. And yes, I think we saw a little bit in week one, he tried to stick to the running game just because you you have to try to have some semblance of a running game, right? Week one, you're still trying to figure out what you are. I thought Saturday night, it felt like they were working on the running game a little bit. Like, let's try to bring this thing along. But it also felt to me like already he is well aware. <laughs> if Carolina is going to win big games, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be, as he kept saying last week, Seven and 17, right? Right now, those are your best weapons. And then you really have below those guys several other weapons who can help as well, but mostly are involved in the passing game, right? So I think all those short throws we saw early, the kind of lulling them to sleep and then going down the field, all those things, in my opinion, 
I didn't even realize how many of those were RPOs. Spencer just mentioned that in the interview. I I think that's what this offense is going to have to be until they, you know, may, maybe by the end of the year, we're still talking about there's no running game. But yep. I, I think they're they're hoping as the year progresses, maybe you get more and more young guys comfortable up front. That can be a work in progress that is the the final word of that, progress, right? Like you see the progress. But right now, going into Georgia, I just don't feel like Loggins is going to be some guy that says, oh, we have to run the ball 25 yeah. times because that's what the foot, the book on football says you have to do. If Rattler is the only way to win this game, then I feel like he's going to say, put it on seven. Well, and here's the reality, man. Like, like every, and we're we're starting to get into uh, Georgia, like getting ahead of ourselves, aren't reports. we? We are a little bit, but that's fine. I mean, I, I'm taking it there. But you you made a a point that made me have something to say about it here. So, I mean, you look at Georgia. Every team's different for Georgia, but one thing we do know under Kirby Smart in the last few years, they have been basically as close to impossible to run the football on as you can possibly be. And and I remember last season, uh, we, we gave some stats on that. I don't know if you remember them off the top of your head, Wes, but basically they just – you don't run the football on these guys very often. And so it's kind of silly to say for a team that has not run the football well overall in the first two games, below average in that in those categories, you're not going to magically say, well, if we just go up there and play a lot better, we'll, we'll run the football. No, no. You were going to to ride the horse that got you here, and and it is seven, it is seventeen. Now, can you have, you know, what we saw week one against North Carolina in terms of rushing and expect to beat Georgia? Probably not, even with a superhuman performance for Spencer Rattler. You got to be able to run the football some, but in playing to your strengths, which is something that Rattler's talked about, something Dowell Loggins has talked about, a lot of the players, Shane Beamer, we've talked about it a lot, Wes. Right, like that was the biggest difference that we all anticipated is that this offense was going to kind of be centered around what Spencer Rattler does well. That has been the case, right? Like game one, I know I see all the negatives. I recognize them. And it pretty much almost exclusively had to do with problems up front, not Spencer Rattler. And so you want to you want to ride his strengths, play to his strengths. I think we can say that we have seen that through the first couple weeks. Now it's about adding to that. It's about giving him some more help, developing some more guys around him, getting Wes a a fully 100% full go juice wells, I think is a big part of that equation. And then trying to find some more answers in the run game as things go on. No doubt. And uh, wow, we we got a lot to still hit. We we may be still be hitting Furman on Wednesday um, at, at this right rate. I know we got a lot to hit. I thought like we ran out of time on the radio show. I think we're going to run out of time today as well. But before we get too ahead, Chris, um, our friends at Liberty Tax have been a great sponsor here on the show, 803-462-5576. Obviously, tax time, not that nearby, but if you have had life changes, that could really lead to a big tax bill, whether that's marriage, whether that's divorce, whether that's um, new job, side jobs. All the above, if you have a complicated or a new tax situation, 
then our friends at Liberty Tax, 803-462-5576, can go ahead and help you get planned for what is ahead. And Chris, uh, you and your family went ahead and uh, and got a good plan going with Larry already, right? Yeah, it's not tax time, but actually, Wes, kinda, and you know why? Estimated taxes, free reminder for everybody, if you do, if you are an individual, has to pay estimated taxes. September 15th is one of your dates. So, Wes, right now in my cell phone, I have a text with our man Larry from Liberty Tax discussing the upcoming plan, discussing estimated taxes. He and his team, man, they do an awesome job. Great service to the folks that they work with, including myself. Two locations, both on St. Andrews Road, spread out from each other. Very convenient, very helpful, very knowledgeable. 803-462-5576. That's our friend Larry and Liberty Tax. Yeah, appreciate them as always. Um, and we'll, we'll have more from them as the season goes on and as we get even closer to tax time. All right, so let's see. Let's try to hit on some things we already hit on earlier today, but also hit on some things we missed. I want I want to kind of get past the receivers. We've talked about them a lot, but real quick, I I kind of, Chris, almost feel like it's not too early to say and this is not that big of an if based on what we've seen. So if AB is fine and it's not a lingering thing, and if Juice Wells returns to form, I actually think this could be a potentially all-time type receiving core for South Carolina. When you, If you look at the step Leggett has made and you look at what Juice did last year, Throw in A.B., who was definitely taking a step forward. I thought he looked – he had the drop against North Carolina. Everybody remembers that. But otherwise, I think he's looked fantastic. Eddie Lewis looked really good on Saturday night. Luke Doty making progress. Omega Blake had a rough game one, but had his first touchdown, uh, touchdown catch in game two. Let's just lump in the true freshman. Those guys will continue to progress. But I'm mainly looking – at those top three, plus now Luke and Eddie Lewis coming along, like that that's right up there with any group in modern South Carolina football history if they all play to their capability. I wouldn't have said that going into preseason, but with the step that Leggett has made, I'm I'm actually already ready to say that. That's a good point, and I, I haven't heard that said. Um, but, but I mean, I, I can get there. I agree. I mean, you think about some of the groups they've had, you know, in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, Wes, and there's definitely some good ones, right? Um, even, I mean, I think you can even think about the the trio that they had of, what, a, a Debo Samuel, Brian Edwards, Shy Smith, but that group overall – underperformed because the offense wasn't very good at times. And then you throw in, well, Hayden Hurst was on those teams too, right? But you see these guys and you see the fact that you've got seven throwing to them. That helps, right? That'll that'll help you level up. Um, there's a lot of potential there. And it's, it's a group, West that has a lot of experience. You know, guys that have played a lot of football. Xavier Leggett has been here a while. Marion Brown being a senior. Juice Wells having played several years of college football, even a guy like Doty, who isn't super experienced at receiver, but has the high school receiver background. He spent some time in different spots at South Carolina going through it. Eddie Lewis has obviously played a lot of college football. 
So a nice blend of skill sets um, and obviously the experience to back it up. The, the key for those guys, Wes, get healthy. Get healthy, stay completely healthy. And if you can get something in the run game and be – this isn't an offense that has to be great at running the football, and, and they're not going to be. But this needs to be a serviceable run team, and they need to be serviceable, solid up front. And that part, I think, is still a work in progress. But you definitely like what they have at the receiving core. Wes, I think you like what they have at tight end in the passing game, and you feel like there's still some things to be unlocked there as well. Yeah, it's been a little bit quiet for those guys, I think. A little more quiet than I expected. But, yeah, I think you're right. Um, They'll have their breakout at some point, I think. And some of that's just going to be based on matchups and defenses and what scheme the other team's running. I mean, Leggett has quickly become, like, moving forward, he's probably the guy coordinators start circling and saying, don't let 17 beat you. You know, that's not really something – coordinators are probably saying coming into the season so I'll be curious to see how defenses adjust to dealing with Leggett being on the field and, and what he's done so far um you know Spencer talked about the moment with Doty awesome moment obviously for Luke awesome moment for both those guys but I want to take that a step forward man I I think if he wants it I think Luke Doty has a true future at the wide receiver position we've seen guys make the move obviously from quarterback to receiver fairly fairly common transition when a guy's not playing but I think a lot of times it becomes what like almost a gimmick or a package or it's not always something that is sustainable I'm watching Doty with limited reps at the college level playing receiver and I'm saying why can't this guy be an actual difference maker moving forward at receiver. So um, maybe the team first mindset and the being willing to do everything that's asked of him combined with just, let's be honest, Luke's a natural freak athlete who gets the most out of it by working his tail off. Um, I think think he's got a future at receiver, man, if he wants it. I think so too, Wes, and I would – I would love to see the version of Luke Doty where he can be in that room full-time in practice at wide receiver full-time. Now, you do understand why the staff feels like they have to walk that line, right? I mean, it is – even if you don't agree with it, even if you say, well, Luke should just go be a wide receiver full-time, you could understand the argument because behind Spencer Rattler, there's not experience, right? Luke Doty is your guy that comes back who's actually played – against Georgia and has SEC experience. We we saw Lenora Sellers, right? We, we see his talent. They have other quarterbacks on this team that have talent, but he's the guy that has multiple games of experience and, you know, meaningful experience. But he's just an athletic guy. Uh, people around the program are not really surprised, honestly, Wes, by this success because they saw it some in practice in the preseason – but he's athletic, he's reliable, he's going to run the right routes. You, you saw the other night, Spencer was joking about it, that the Furman defenders did kind of run into each other, but it was a really good route. Like, I thought it was a well-designed play. A, it was blocked well up front, and then Luke did a really good job running that route, catching the football. So, he's just dependable. And even against UNC, man, he didn't play a lot of snaps at receiver, but he caught a few balls, and he's just been really efficient 
and he's made an impact when he's actually been on the field out there. So, I, you know, if I had a vote, Wes, I'm, I'm all for seeing more of it for sure. Man, I, I, I don't want to give Dow Loggins credit for like reinventing the wheel, but there have been a couple of little past concepts so far. We are already like, that was pretty nasty and it was well called. I, I don't even know what the comment, if y'all go back and rewrite the game, they have a beautiful, just slow motion replay of that little route combination. And, um, it, it kind of looked like there was almost just going to be like a little mesh route or something. And then Doty turns it completely upfield. Had the Furman guy, like Spencer said, I guess ran into his own player or fell, but it was because they were confused and they tried to jump the short route because South Carolina had been going underneath all game long. And um, then Luke just runs right by him. And, and obviously Spencer made the throw and Luke made the catch. But that that I'm with you. That was a beautiful design and perfect timing on calling that play as well. So, uh, yeah, I I like what I've seen out of Loggins through two games. I know it's early, but uh, I think there is a lot to like about the game plan on offense. Um, let's see. We didn't talk near enough about defense earlier today, Chris. Let's try to show these guys some love. Like we said, they settled in. As the game went on, actually the numbers stopping the run looked great. Linebackers continued to run around. They did get Pup Howard in there. They got, got Bam Martin Scott in there, sort of start to ease them in. I like the fact we've started to see a little rotation in the secondary, at least at corner. Um, Judge Collier was on the field early, Chris. Like He's the third corner right now as a true freshman. And so I think that's noteworthy. And then... I feel like Debo Williams, who obviously is not a freshman by any means, but is playing a much bigger role than at any point earlier in his career. And then somebody that is a freshman, Jalen Kilgore, I feel like we are watching them emerge as difference makers like right before our very eyes. Yeah, the, the guys have definitely developed and stepped up and you know, Jalen Kilgore, that situation kind of reminds you of Nicky Minwari last year where your starter goes down extremely early, and here comes this big, talented freshman who's never played college football uh, but has a lot of promise onto the field, and, and they respond. And so I think uh, what Debo, I think Jalen Kilgore and Debo, those two guys that you mentioned, each of those guys has, has led the Gamecocks in tackles each of the last two games. They've, they've traded off on that. Um, Jalen's – you know, signing him, he's he's an instant hit. And uh, he's going to be a guy, West that when Nicky Minori comes back, I think the staff's going to be looking around going, all right, I, I think we got to find a way to get this guy back on the field. He doesn't need to be standing beside Clayton White holding a clipboard or waiting to go in when somebody's banged up. He needs to be on the field. So figuring that out, good problem to have. But Debo's developed. Stone Blanton's developed. You got Marcella style out there. OD Fortune's coming along for sure and, and has played some football. So a good bit to clean up still, Wes. I think still need more answers at the edge position. Still got to play better in some areas. Even, you know, opponent notwithstanding, I feel like the staff does think that they cleaned some things up from a technique standpoint from week one to week two. And overall, uh, it was a more positive performance. Man, Kilgore, his just – a natural ability or maybe it's taught maybe it's just 
I don't know if he's naturally technically sound or he's just been coached up that well already, but his ability to just wrap up and tackle people, like there are several times with him so far where I've just been like, that is a form tackle. Uh, He gets his head around, he wraps up, he holds on. Uh, You know, he's delivering some physicality, but he's not this guy that's sitting there trying to just pop the guy so hard that he doesn't wrap up and then, uh, you know, he stays up. I mean, it is, to me, off the charts impressive how technically sound he is already. I'm with you, man. They're going to have some decisions to make about how they structure things once everybody's healthy there. You know, you certainly hope that a guy like David Spalding can get healthy as well. You know, he's been banged up for for most of last year, been banged up this year, but is a great kid and a great player. Um, you're going to have some decisions, but, man, Kilgore, I don't think you're going to be able to take him off the field. The, the natural thought uh, would be what Preston says here. I like to see DQ at nickel. Then you just slide Nicky, leave Jalen in there at safety. I think that is the natural progression here. Let me throw out one thought. Dude, I think Jalen Kilgore could be a superstar nickel. Like, I think his coverage, his natural coverage ability, putting it at that spot long term, um, like, he brings a nice skill set to that spot. Now, that would be, I don't know if you want to do that midseason. Like, I, I think the easiest, most natural thing would be just to let Kilgore stay at safety. DQ has played a ton of nickels so far in his career. That's probably the natural move. But they're going to potentially, if they get those guys back healthy, if everybody in that room's healthy, they kind of have some good but hard decisions to make, I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a good classification, good but hard. And, you know, it's about – always talk about finding West the the best five, right? And so uh, best five in the secondary, if you're playing five guys back there, which South Carolina does. And so when when you look at who who, who are their best five, well, we know Nicky Minori is one of those when he's on the field. And we know Dial and Fortune are. And we know DQ Smith is in there. And so far, based on what we've seen, Jalen Kilgore has been another one of those. Austin's exactly right that you popped up there on the chat, Wes. Kawan Banks, he, he gave them a shot in the arm. It, it was interesting that Shane Beamer said in the North Carolina game after Spalding went down, hey, we played Dick, Kawan Banks more than we thought we would, more than we anticipated. But, man, I, I've, I seem to be impressed by Kawan Banks every time he comes into the game. It just seems like he makes plays. seems like he makes things happen. Kind of a versatile guy, a smaller guy, but he can cover. He has a knack for getting guys that are bigger than him just, just down on the ground. So I, I like what we've seen from uh, Kawan Banks too. So it'll be interesting to see how he factors in going forward as well in this defensive back room. Yeah, man, I, I just like watching Kawan play, Chris. Like um, everybody that's ever met me knows I'm I'm a small dude. So I, <laughs> I have like super extra respect for guys like Juju McDowell and guys like Kawan Banks who are just smaller in stature, but – Kawan throws himself around, man. Like there is no fear with this guy. His if if South Carolina would have somehow come back and beat North Carolina, you would have said his interception was one of the plays that completely turned that game around. If it had played out differently after that, um, seems like he's a no fear guy. Like he just runs out there and uh, plays his tail off. 
versatile, right? Like he can play different spots for you. They're still figuring out cornerback. Obviously, it seems like Kwan's settled in at nickel, but in a pinch, I feel like if they had to, they could just be like, Kwan, go play corner, and he'd find a way to, to hang in there. We've seen him line up. I think he lined up, if I remember right, last year at safety a little bit, maybe in some dime packages. He was on the field, so can kind of do it all for you, which is obviously a, a great trait for him to have. Uh, you know, we'll talk big picture defensive stuff as the week progresses and, and moving into Georgia. But um, with us being recruiting guys, Chris, I think we got to spend at least a little bit more time before we get out of here on the true freshman. We got our first glimpse at at a bunch of them um, in, in different, you know, different variety of, of number of snaps. But still, um, shoot. Uh, Zay McLeod had an interception in the game. So he, he got his first opportunity to get out there and, and made a moment, made a, a memory there. But rightfully so, in the section I was in, Lenora Sellers was the buzz. Hey, let me give you a story real quick about Zay McLeod before we spend a lot of time on Lenora Sellers. Spend an I'm hour sure. on Lenora's. <laughs> TJ, yes, hour two. TJ Sanders told me today that uh, Zay McLeod called his shot that morning at breakfast. No. He said, yes. He said, TJ was rolling his eyes a little bit. He said that (laughs) Zay said, yeah, we were at breakfast. And Zay said, I'm going to get a pick tonight. And they were like, what? You're a defensive tackle. But he got one. He stole it from Pup, too. Apparently, Pup said, you know, hey, I'll, I'll let him have it. I don't want the ball to hit the ground. So, it was a good play, though. Good, good play by Terrell Dawkins to tip that ball. But, dude, yeah, so the interesting about this freshman class, Carolina's got a lot of their best players are upperclassmen, right? Xavier, you know, Xavier Cobb, Xavier Leggett, Spencer Rattler, right? It, the, the list goes on and on. There, there's several of them. But, man, you look at some positions and the guys with the highest upside with the most talent are freshmen. And – some of these are guys that will help this season increasingly as the year goes on, I think. They'll, they'll continue to come along. But just long-term, it makes you feel good about things. You look at, you know, DJ Braswell, got our first look at him. You can tell, Wes, it's not like he carried the ball 20 times and got 100 yards. Just the burst, you can tell. You know, the offensive lineman, tree, we haven't seen Marquis Anderson, but Tree Babalade, Trovon Ball, they don't look like freshmen. You can see the athleticism. You can see the upside. A guy like Pup Powered, right? Jalen Kilgore, who we talked about. Bakari Swain played some in this game. But Lenora Sellers is the guy out of this 2023 class, and it's an impressive class, no doubt, with, I think, a lot of hits. But, man, Lenora Sellers, I think, can be a generational-type talent. He just – I've tried even to play devil's advocate with myself and just be like, well – if this or if that, or here, here's a couple of things. I think he just simply checks every box that you're looking for in a quarterback. He has the size. He has the arm. He's got great athleticism. He's got great football IQ. And I think, Wes, you couple that with his just kind of laid back, cool confidence. He's, he's going to be something. And I think he showed what he could be with it just in four passes on Saturday night. That's all it took to kind of show the magic that he can bring. 
yeah, that that ball he threw, man, just the – I mean, get, go outside and take a football and just throw it as far as you can, like any average person. And then think about how far he threw that ball with a flick. Like, that that was crazy. And the fact he even had the guts to throw the thing when he had 20 yards of grass in front of him <laughs> and, and yeah. just dropped it in there with um, perfect accuracy. Tyshawn Russell ran right under it. Most people that try to throw that ball, it usually either lands far right out of bounds or it ends up being short, I feel like. And, I mean, that that thing just kept going out of his hand. And then, the all, I mean, really all four throws I thought showed something. Um, yeah, Michael Swindle and Michael Beckham both talking about the back shoulder throw to – um, to Harbor, I mean, dude, that's a – I don't want to say that's like a super advanced throw, but it's not necessarily something guy, most guys just naturally do either. Like generally back shoulder throws, first of all, when they're timed right, they're almost indefensible by a defense. But that takes normally a ton of reps – who knows how many times he and Harbor have even been able to to handle that, have that situation in practice. And it was like he kind of naturally just knew instinctually, is maybe even a better word, knew where to put the football and then had the physical ability to, to do it. So um, on the other end, I mean, we don't even need to do a show right now, Chris. Like everybody in the comments is like reading my mind, I feel like. Um, mm-hmm. the other end of it was Nick Harbor, you know, some guys maybe just watch that ball go flying by, right. They're maybe <laughs> shocked by it. I think you, well, you can tell the story about reading Harbor's lips, but <laughs> rather than just being like, you know, and, and being frozen, Harbor made an athletic play. Like I, I hear coaches yep. say, be an athlete. He made an athletic play and made the catch for a guy who's not known as like, this super, um, you know, this receiver who's got a ton of experience. I thought there was something to be said for that play on on both ends. Really, there's something to be said for both touchdown plays, both at quarterback and in terms of the receivers catching the ball in Tyshawn Russell and then Nicholas Harbor. Yeah, that dude, the Tyshawn Russell, I mean – Sellers threw that ball with about, what, I don't know, two or three yards to spare to the back of the end zone, which is pretty incredible. Um, on that trajectory, it, it was incredible. But that that is not an easy catch. Just running under that ball like that. You know, Russell had to kind of speed back up, get up to full speed, catch it over his shoulder. Great, great catch. And, yeah, Harbor's reaction, it was a – you could see him and Sellers talking about it on the ESPN broadcast um, after the fact. and. Harbor, it, it was funny doing the lip reading, but it was definitely an old snap. Here's the ball. Uh, but, yeah, he, he made a great play. The The thing about Sellers, man, I was just thinking of this. If you think about a lot of the best athletes, whatever sport, track, football, basketball, baseball, if you get a guy that just kind of makes incredible things just look easy, I think that's Lenora Sellers. He just – the plays he made, he seemed so under control, but made it look easy. And and none of the things that he did were were easy plays. I don't think not not even 
not even the throw he snapped off to Eddie Lewis, not even just dropping back and, and letting that short ball to Peyton Mangrum go. Those were throws that some other freshman quarterbacks, heck, some experienced quarterbacks, some of them do not make those plays. He did them. He did them in his first game and made it look easy. So should be exciting stuff for Gamecock fans. Yeah, you you ever – we all have if you played any sport. Y'all know the guy who just shows up and picks something up like that. Like, I, I feel like Sellers is that guy. Yeah, um, none of us like that guy. Um, yeah, but you so, want that guy on your team. You do want and, that guy um, on your team. You know, it's one of those things, and I'm not even saying that. Like, he obviously has worked hard to get where he is, but those guys, it's more like I could I could practice something a hundred times and still not be able to do it well. And then sellers, you know, hey, here's a new concept for you. Can you put this ball here? And it's like, okay, coach, yeah, I can do that next time. And then it's like he just does it. And it's yeah. you can tell he from could. his reaction, Chris, and the go watch his post game. I know you you already said this, but for everybody listening, go watch his post game. He's just like, I mean, yeah, I just I was gonna run it, but uh, then I was like, I figured I'll throw a touchdown. <laughs> I came back to the touchdown. That that was the funniest thing. Like, and I, I mean, don't even know. Up? Like, he knows like, what he's what he's saying. He's not trying to be cocky. Like, he's just like. I was going to do this. I wasn't supposed to do that, and I was going to do this, but then I saw a touchdown, so like I just figured I'd, I'd score the touchdown. That seemed, that seemed like a good option. And he's just and able now, to produce it. Now our chatters are reading each other's minds. One of them said, this is back-to-back at the exact same moment. Cam Newton with glasses and Cam Newton without the cockiness. <laughs> so, and the, Hey, Lenoris is – He's confident, but I but he's also very humble. I think like he's he's one of those guys who kind of walks that line. Like he's not he's not a huge talker. He's not a big. I mean, look at recruiting. He wasn't a big look at me guy. He was more. I'm just gonna go show you, and I'm gonna have seven touchdowns and a half or whatever it was that one game where he just one of his several games where he just straight up went off, but. That guy's going to be fun to watch. Chris, are we are we all in on a third or fourth and short sellers package? Please. Please? This, yes. Yes, okay. I mean, we, we, we all want to see it. I mean, it, it, this is another interesting dynamic, Wes. You know, we're talking about the the Kilgore, Eamon Worry, you know, DQ Smith, et cetera, et cetera, but – you know, if, if you put another quarterback on the field, you're always either taking seven off the field or you're putting him out at wide receiver where, no offense, Spence, he's not Luke Doty. You don't want Spencer Rattler playing wide receiver. You want him playing quarterback. Um, but that said, especially for a team, West, that if you're in a completely obvious running situation, that is an intriguing option. But you also don't want to take seven off the field. But, um, man, what easy to be excited about the future. It also has you wondering a little bit when you think about especially the running ability. It has you thinking about the present, though, a little bit as well. Yeah, I mean, not that you ever want to take seven off the field, but a team that is going to struggle or has struggled around the football. I'm not – who knows how much progress they will make, right? I think you have to find some ways to try to give yourself an advantage. A quarterback run game is always 
a way to do that. And I don't want seven as QB1 taking those hits. So I'd rather my 245 pounder, if it's already a just obvious, yeah, you probably want to run the I football here. I, I think I think you got to look at that if you're South Carolina. And people have asked about a red shirt. I ain't even, I don't even think you're considering a red shirt. I think that's not even part of the conversation. If this guy can help you in any way this year, then I, I think you do that. Um, man, we are way over. I do, you know what? I want to hit, you got time, Chris, to go a little yeah. bit longer? Yeah. Let's, let's hit on a few more of these freshmen. I know everybody had them buzzing, um, or they had everybody buzzing. Trowball. Tree Babalade, you asked Spencer about them. What do you say? They were grown men. Um, yeah. I mean, it should I know that the fun fan thing to say is like, hey, throw Tree and Tro in there, let's roll. I don't think you do that to them going into Athens. Maybe, maybe you do that with one of them. I don't think you just say, hey, both freshmen start. Um, but I do think as this year progresses, um, then absolutely, I, I will already say it feels like it's trending towards those guys playing a bunch. And then who knows where Marquis is in this convo as well. Like Marquis Anderson is going to help this team at some point this year if he can get back to full health. Yeah, I mean, and that look, that was the guy, West that Shane Beamer, I've said this a million times, I feel like, broken record, but that's the guy above anybody else in the freshman class that Shane Beamer said a while back, he is going to play, right? Like, that was the one that he named. And so that kind of has you thinking, right? So, look, we knew that on the offensive line, the door was open for shifts and tweaks in game one, after game one, depending on how it went, obviously it didn't go well. And so that, I think, accelerated some of the tweaks. Staff came in with a with a clear plan to play ball, to, to play Babalade, to use, you know, some different combinations up front. They did that for the Furman game. Now they had that tape that they could go review on Saturday night, on Sunday, today, here on Monday, and then go roll out there and practice and try to – but it's, it, I think it is still, Wes, it's an ongoing process. You don't really want to be here. You don't want to still be trying to find out what your best five is, but that is the reality of it. That's where they're at. And so could it be that whether it's against Georgia, is it one of them, is it two of them, is it those guys rotating in like we saw against Furman? Is it by the end of the year you've got one or two freshman starters on the offensive line? That could be the case because these guys are young. You're going to have to deal with some growing pains. There's no doubt. Shane Beamer alluded to that. Um, but they're also very, very talented players who don't look like your typical freshman up there. Yeah, so I went and checked. I While we were on air, South Carolina did send out game notes, Chris. Depth chart actually looks – I think it's exactly the same for the most part. I don't have the other – I don't have the one from last week up to compare, but – I don't see anything glaring. So um, I saw, let's see, Matt on YouTube said, Tree isn't in the too deep. He should be. Um, Matt, I wouldn't read into that one bit, honestly, because we all saw 
with our eyes on Saturday. Like, Tree is in the two deep. Whether he's in the official two deep, maybe, maybe not, but he was the next man up at left tackle. Um, Trowball was the next man up at guard. They got both those guys into the game fairly early. Um, did Ball go in one drive before Tree, or did they go in the same drive, Chris? Do you remember? I can't recall off the top of my head. I think Tro I think went he in did. first. I think you're right. I think you're right. And and that's the guy, you know, you pointed this out preseason. Ball was taking some first-team reps at times. I heard he was taking some first-team reps in practice last week. I'm just guessing they maybe decide to go with the little bit older guys to start the game and then just settle the freshmen in. Um, but, yeah, both those guys, whether they're on this official too deep or not, um, yeah, see, this is why we got a great crowd here too, Chris. Jamie saying Steve Feek tweeted no changes on the depth chart. So, yeah, it's, it's the same depth – it's the same official depth chart as last week. The um, the internal depth chart, I would imagine, looks slightly different. Um, are you with me on that, Chris? Yeah, I think so, man. I mean, Ball, Babalade, th- those guys are going to be in the mix for sure. And, heck, I – I would be kind of surprised if both of them did not play in some capacity. I'm not saying they're going to start, but in some capacity against Georgia, you would think those guys are going to play. It's also Monday, remember? I mean, mm-hmm. what, what we saw last week on the depth chart was not entirely reflective of what we saw out there against Furman. And so I think you got to bear that in mind as well. As much as we love depth charts, you got to keep that in mind too. Yeah, the Gamecock Central projected depth chart looks a little bit different. I feel like. Um, so we'll see what happens on Saturday. All right, Chris. Um, give us one closing thought on South Carolina Furman while I queue up this ad read. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you a closing thought. It was um, – I think it was a really good thing to win that game like you did. You didn't go in to the fourth quarter saying, hey – this game's in danger. You, you didn't walk in and have that nightmare with this new these new clock rules, games moving a little faster, where you're up three or you're down seven in the fourth quarter to an FCS team. You're able to win. You're able to win comfortably. You're able to get a good look at some of your freshmen, rest some of your other guys, didn't play. You know, you had starters that played, you know, what, 40 snaps. That was a positive. You go not only escape, but you come away with a win and you, you come away winning very, very comfortably. For sure. Uh, quick question on Elijah Griffin. Um, did the visit go well? Yes, it, it absolutely did. He was impressed with the atmosphere. Um, very good sort of detailed interview with him on Gamecock Central. If you go back and hit the recruiting news feed there, go check it out. And if you're not a subscriber, Chris, $1 for your first month. Oh man, this he had it fired up and ready. Ready to go. There you go, Chris. One uh there's no there's no way to put this up that it doesn't look weird, I feel like, with our face. Yeah, you gotta move it. to the other side of it. Yeah. So let's just uh, how will we do this? Just point. So kickoff sell, fifty percent off. Um but we'll call it the big big game sell, Georgia this week, fifty percent off first year or a dollar for your first month if you are a uh you're not a subscriber already if you're a subscriber go read the article um really good stuff and he had a lot of good things to say about 
South Carolina fan base. So uh, that was cool. Also, well, download the On3 yeah. app. Um, checking them all off, Chris. The On3 app. So there's one On3 app, but you select your team. Once you select South Carolina, it will pop up as being uh, Gamecock Central. So download the app. The app itself is free, but you do need to obviously be a subscriber to take advantage of all the content on there. Like, you don't have to pay for the app, but you do need to pay for a subscription to read our content on the app. And, um, Chris, I don't – I can't tell. That's not your bird dogs today, not your bird dog shirt, at least. I have the bird dog shorts on, no doubt. Right on brand. Um, yep. Birddogs.com slash Gamecocks or um, – just go in, put in the promo code Gamecocks, and you will get a have to say this exactly correct for legal reasons a free Bird Dogs Hydro Flask water bottle with your promo code Gamecocks. So that's cool. Everybody likes free stuff, everybody likes comfortable clothes. I can't stop talking about the polo shirt. I've already gotten the from my wife. Oh, you're wearing that shirt again? And I'm like, yes. I get that a lot. I get that I'm with the wear shorts. It again. Well, you know we're going to be in pictures. I know. I don't care. It's a comfortable yeah. shirt. It fits well. It's nice. And, Chris, I know you've been rocking the shorts quite a bit as well because they got – it's like a gym short liner. Yeah. But professional on the outside. Yeah, they're, they're super nice. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, Wes, my wife also – giving me a semi hard time about the shorts they have been deemed the shorts that you were obsessed with that is bird dogs but hey that's a pretty good plug for bird dogs because i am obsessed with them i wear them all the time you know what wes while we're checking off everything you know what, what goes really good with your bird dog shorts let's say you finally got to wash the bird dogs shirt like every now and then you got to wash it so maybe take a day off maybe take a few hours off how about this the re-release of the Bluff Road football, famous football club shirt designed by our buddy Kev Roche. Shout out, Kev. I know you're watching. Maybe a couple days late, but you are watching. You can get that at the Gamecock Central shop, Wes. Shop.gamecockcentral.net. Just re-release. Two different colors. Gamecock Central members actually get 10% off their order. So you can get that. Pair it with your bird dogs. And <laughs> it's party time. Yeah, um... Shout out Kev Roche. Hopefully he's watching live, not later on, man. But either way, that's cool. I got the Braves on in the background. Kev and his Sunday night baseball work is just ah. amazing. Um, speaking of watching, though, shout out to Charter and Disney <laughs> and ESPN and all the corporations for giving us our football back. So... Thank you. I don't have to steal my brother's Hulu Live login anymore to watch ESPN. Ooh, so don't that, that on there. Well, I'm kidding, obviously. But <laughs> the uh, that for for sports fans, Chris, obviously that was needed. <laughs> yes, big big times for everybody out there that has Spectrum. So everybody can sing Kumbaya again. Everybody can watch college football. There is no doubt about it that you'll be able to watch the games this weekend going forward. Big game this weekend. Week four of college football is a really good one too, Wes. So 
Everybody can rest easy now. We're good. You've heard about, and you heard from Spencer today. You heard about all our great partners. Everybody should leave happy now. There's no doubt. No doubt, no doubt. Michael says you still have to buy YouTube for NFL. Well, before you had to buy DirecTV for NFL. So, for the Sunday ticket, anyway. Um, although, I haven't looked into that. I, do you actually have to have a YouTube TV subscription? I thought they have a, um, like, separate thing for NFL Sunday ticket, too. I don't know. We, we got to get off here. It's been an hour and 20 minutes. I'm just talking at this point. Um, shout out to our sponsors. Shout out to our viewers. Big numbers. Strangely, y'all like set our regular, just regular preview show record for viewers last week for the Furman game. I don't know what happened, but thanks. That's awesome. We appreciate it. Let's break the record again with our Georgia preview on Friday. Um, and shout out to Garnet Trust and Spencer for uh, hopping on. Always awesome to hear from Spencer. He's been very uh, gracious with his time and um, good stuff from him as always. So if you missed that earlier, you can always rewind back or just listen on the podcast and uh, you can catch the full interview with Spencer Rattler. So, all right, he's Chris. I'm Wes. Mike will be on on Tuesday. We'll be back on Wednesday and we will see you then.